Hello, and welcome to Living Well with Robin Stoloff, empowering you to live a healthier life. Let's face it, it is not always easy to be an optimist, especially right now. I saw a quote the other day that said, when someone asks if my glass is half full or half empty, I tell them that I'm just happy to have a glass. And that seems like where we all all are right now. Just happy for the little things in life, trying to get through this tumultuous time with the pandemic, social unrest, and our lives being turned upside down. But all of that really pales in comparison to what my guest today has gone through in her young life. Sabrina Wang is a two-time leukemia survivor, the recipient of a bone marrow transplant, and she is also living with a rare, progressive, and irreversible lung condition. Welcome, Sabrina. Thank you so much for joining me. Hi, thank you, Robin, for having me. I am not even really sure how I connected with you. I was online and somehow I saw your website and I began reading your story and I was so intrigued by it and I just had to speak with you. It's called The Budding Optimist, Inspiring Positive Change for a Healthy and Happy Life. And it's so aligned with my mission, something I've been doing my entire life, and I'm just so glad that we've connected. Let's wind it all back and start from the beginning. You had some challenges growing up. Tell us all about that. Well, um, you know, I wasn't born into the, you know, a very happy home, let's just, uh, you know, to say the least. My parents had a very tumultuous marriage. They were married to each other twice, no less. And their second marriage um, was very chaotic. There was a lot of domestic abuse. And um, so it was a very unsafe, I would say, uh, uncomfortable situation for both my, myself and my mother. Fortunately, they, they were able to separate when I was about 16. And, um, but, you know, pretty soon after um, they separated, when I was about 19, I was diagnosed with leukemia for the first time. Oh, my gosh. So, mm-hmm. and, and as a child, you were, you were always afraid or, or worried about these types of things. Isn't that right? Right, I was. And, you know, that's another part of my anxiety as well. Not only was I, you know, having these issues at home, I was having a lot of challenges with um, anxiety. I was always a really worrisome child. You know, I would fret about things that, you know, symptoms in my body that were common and normal, and my mind would spin it into something else, right? I remember going to the doctor one time because, you know, a part of my foot was a little bit swollen. And I was just looking at her and said, you know, is this foot cancer? And my doctor just looked at me and said, you know, you need to, you need to, you know, chill out a little bit, basically, (laughs) is what she said to me. I still remember that to this day. But this was real. This was a real diagnosis of leukemia. Right. Tell me about that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, at that time, um, you know, I didn't really have any symptoms. I think the only symptom I could think of that could be related to to, to leukemia was, you know, a, a couple weeks before I was diagnosed, I had these I had these pinhead bruises all over my arms. You know, I thought it must have been like from a sand suntan or something because I, I had gone to the beach, and I didn't really pay any attention to it. And uh, I really went in for like a routine blood work 
because um, I was having, you know, issues with my period at the time. I thought, you know, honestly, I thought I was pregnant or something. Oh my God. And so I went in for a routine blood work. And uh, I remember it was a Saturday. And that afternoon, I got a call from the doctor who issued me the blood work. And she basically said, you know, um, there appears to be something wrong with your uh, bone marrow functioning. And for some reason, I just knew it was leukemia at the time because, you know, I, I was used to watching a lot of movies like, you know, um, A Walk to Remember or something like that. And, and, and they had leukemia in there. So I knew I knew what leukemia was and I knew, knew it, it impacted your bone marrow functioning. So I just broke down. I remember I crashed to the floor and I screamed into the phone to her and I said, you know, are you saying I have leukemia? I just repeated that over and over. And, um, you know, she got, she finally calmed me down and said, you know, you, you need to go to the hospital in about, you know, an hour. We have a bed ready for you. And I was admitted that night and started treatment. Um, that started like an assessment, a roundup assessment the next day. And pretty much started treatment a few days later. And you were how old? I was 19 at the time. 19 to be going through something like this. So how long were your treatments? Right, it was a shock. How long did you have to be treated? Um, so the first time that I had leukemia, I had treatments about seven or eight months. It was, it was I, I, I can't remember the exact number of uh, rounds of uh, chemotherapy I had because there were so many, but it was about five or six rounds in total. And what was going on in your life at that time? Were you in school? What were you doing? Yes, I was I was attending university at, at the time. Um, I was diagnosed uh, the summer after my first year was completed. Wow. So did you have to leave school? Yes, unfortunately, I had to leave school because with leukemia, I don't know if you know much about the disease, um, it impacts your immune system. So I, I couldn't be anywhere near crowds. I had to be really careful with, you know, the people that I, I was seeing or, um, you know, being really careful about uh, the infections and germs, all that stuff. So I couldn't, I, I wouldn't be able to attend school at that time, even if I wanted to. So much you were going through at such a young mm-hmm. age. Did you have family near you to help? I had I had my mother and I had my boyfriend at the time, who is now my husband. Oh, that's a good that's a good story. <laughs> so he stuck with you through that through that. That's just wonderful. Yes, so, he he really did. He he really did. So you had a good result. You were feeling better, and then what happened? So after you know seven or eight months of, of treatment, they declare me cancer free, and uh, I went back to school. I was feeling good. Um, you know, during that during that time when I was in remission and I went back to school, I really worked on um, you know building up my physical health because I knew for some for some reason I, I knew at the back of my head that this could come back and, and haunt me again, right? And um, you know, while I was I was going through the emotions of going back to school, um, I was also I was also quite worried about the cancer returning. Um, I wasn't really in a good mind space at the time I was constantly worried about the cancer returning there was a period of time when when I you know every five minutes I would check my arms 
to look for signs of the, you know, for bruises and things for just any symptoms or signs that my leukemia had sure. returned. I think everyone could understand and, and all, that, you know, I mean, you're, you're concerned about yeah. it. Yeah. Exactly. And lo and behold, about a year and a half after my first diagnosis, um, unfortunately, you know, when I went back for another blood test, they found that my white blood cells had decreased to a point where it became like really strange and they didn't know what was going on. So we did another, you know, bone marrow biopsy. They couldn't explain why my blood count was dropping so drastically. They said, you know, we'll, we'll recheck in a couple of months to see what was going on and after a couple of months we did the recheck and they said you know what it looks like your leukemia has returned and at this point uh, you know more chemo is not going to do it you, we really need to have a bone marrow transplant so I had my bone marrow transplant in August of uh, 2009, 2009 and how did that go you know what um before the tra- transplant, I was really, really worried because, you know, again, I went online and <laughs> I'm advising everybody who diagnosed with a, uh, any type of, you know, chronic or serious illness, do not research your disease online. Because wow. that, that's it, it really, not going to happen yeah. because, you know, that's what everyone does, you know, and it's, it is, and it's <laughs> you know, true. Yeah, that's what I do too, tougher. but, yeah. you know, it, 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 does not, it does not end well every time. Yes. But anyway, so I, I was really anxious about the bone marrow transplant, but, you know, luckily it went quite well. Um, I received the, the transplant on August 23rd, 2009, and about nine days later, uh, the bone marrow started engrafting. So engrafting is when the, the, the bone marrow cells from the donor starts to work in your body and start to produce new healthy cells, right? And about nine days later, my body just started to, to you know, produce new healthy blood cells again, oh, which is amazing. Because so after going through all of that, what, what was going through your mind when you found that out? I... I I was in shock because I was told that it normally takes about at least, um, you know, two to three weeks for engrafting to happen. I was expected to stay in the hospital for at least a month. I I, I knew people who who have stayed in the hospital for like up to two or three months because, you know, their body hasn't, hasn't engrafted yet or hasn't, you know, recovered enough for them to leave. And yet, you know, I was out of the hospital in less than three weeks, which was like amazing. Everybody was talking about it. All the patients, all the doctors and all the nurses were, you know, they were congratulating me. They couldn't believe it. That is just such good news. And then you started feeling better after that? It was a progressive, um, it was a progressive recovery, right? Like I, I I would have loved it if I could just, you know, all of a sudden, you know, got back, gone back to my normal life, but it took me about uh, a year and a half to two years for me to, you know, go back to school and really reinsert myself into society like I did before. So it was a progressive, it was a progressive process. And you didn't let it stop you, though. You finished your degree. You ended up getting married. Mm-hmm. Tell us all about that. That's right. Where did you, where did you graduate and what did you major in? 
Um, I graduated from the University of British Columbia. I majored in business with a specialization in human resources management, and that's what I'm doing today. I'm a human resources professional, and um, I got married to my boyfriend, who stuck to me by all this. Uh, we've got married in 2018. And he's a good guy, and, and you're happy today, <laughs> but you, that wasn't the end of the story. You had something else no, happen. No, no. Tell us what happened. Yeah. So, I mean, that's how life goes, right? It goes up and down. And, um, you know, in in 2017, I was, um, you know, as part of, you know, the long-term bone marrow transplant process, you know, after a few years, they, they do all these tests on you to make sure that you're okay, right? And and I was a star survivor. <laughs> you know, I had no... Uh, and it had no complications that were major. I was pretty much, um, you know, I was off of the immunosuppressant drugs, which they, they they give you after your bone marrow transplant. I was off of that medication about, you know, eight months after the transplant, and I was progressing really well. So nobody knew I had uh, a, an underlying condition from the transplant. But, you know, in 2000, at the end of 2016, early 2017, I went, for a routine um, lung function test, which they do on all, you know, long-term survivors. And it was discovered that my lung function had dropped significantly. And it was about, uh, it dropped to a level where it's about, you know, 60% of someone's uh, lung capacity of someone my age, right? And so... I had to have more tests to find out what was going on, and I was finally diagnosed with something called bronchiolitis obliterans, which happens to uh, a small percentage of bone transplant survivors. And what it is basically is the donor cells, um, the, the donor cells attacking the host cells, um, host body in, in places like you know either the liver or the lungs or the skin. Um, and so it's called graft versus host disease. And unfortunately, it, it, the donor cells decided to attack my lung cells. And that's why, you know, it led to this disease. Wow. What was going through your mind then? Well, I was, I was absolutely devastated for about, you know, two to three weeks there because I, I you know, I was riding on such a high, you know, mm-hmm. um, I had survived. I, I was in remission for, for so many years. You know, everybody was telling me I was doing great. I felt great. Um, you know, nothing indicated to me that there was something wrong with me physically. And all of a sudden, you get this news. And like what you said earlier, I, I went online. I did all this research, and <laughs> everything told me everything told me that this disease was, you know, eventually fatal. And Ugh. it was the, the prognosis was, you know, anything but promising, right? So it, it really affected how I saw the world. It was, you know, it was pretty dark for, for a few weeks there, I, I have to admit. Wow. So where are you today? Tell us what's going on uh, in your life and in your world and how you're feeling. Right. So today I'm happy to report that, you know, this lung disease did not turn out to be, you know, the end of the world, uh, like I once thought it would be. Um, it's been, you know, almost three years now since my, it's been more than three years now since my diagnosis, and I'm not on any medication. My lung function has held relatively steady. 
you know, which really amazes my doctors. I'm not on any medication and I'm still able to do a lot of the things that other people do. I am, I am very active in my life. I don't feel any impact at all, literally with this lung disease. And uh, my, I feel that I'm in a good place mentally. Um, I have a good mind, mindset about the things I have experienced and my life ahead. And I'm able to work full time and I have a blog on the side. Yes. And I, I was just going to gonna ask you about that. The budding optimist <laughs> that led you to do all of that and share your story. How is that going and what's it all about? Right. So in 2018, I, I started a blog called The Budding Optimist. Um, I started a blog because I just turned 30. Um, I thought to myself, you know what? I've always wanted to write, but I always found excuses not to write. That's and right. it is really time to No day to in the week writing. called someday, right? You got to do it. And exactly. For you. Exactly. <laughs> so, so I forced myself to start and I'm so happy I did. Um, and when I started the blog, I thought about, you know, what, what, do I, what do I have to say to the world that I think is meaningful? And I thought, you know what, I've got this story that I think will help somebody out there. Because it is not a story that you see every day, um, especially in, in someone as young as I am. And I, I want to I show people that, you know, you can have all these adversities in your life and you don't have to let it break you. You can still climb up, even though if you're scared, even if you're scared, you can still face these challenges every day and make a choice to be happy. What a beautiful and message. So, so, mm-hmm. And, and I'm, not, I'm not a true optimist, as I would say. Like, I was not born an optimist, as you can see, when, it was, when I was young. I was always a worry ward. Um, you know, when I was, even when I was going through the cancer journey, I wasn't always in a good place. Uh, mindset-wise, but I, 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 it really was a learning uh, progress for me to get here, to become more positive, more optimistic, and um, you know, more hopeful. So I, I want to show people that it is possible. You just have to make a choice to to become that way, and you know, practice. It really is a muscle that you have to keep practicing. Well, that is true because it's easy to be an optimist when everything's going well and you feel great and you have a job and a good relationship. Sure, it's easy to be an optimist then. But in our world right now, there's a lot going on. People are suffering and it's hard to be an optimist when all of that's happening either to you or around you. What would you say is mm-hmm. is the secret to your optimism? You know what, the, the one thing, I think this is the one key thing that I've learned in my cancer journey and uh, my, my journey back to health is to focus on the things that you can control. That's been, that's been really key in my recovery, both physically and mentally, uh, is to let go of, you know, there, there are a lot of things that we can't control that happens to us, right? But don't worry about that stuff. Only focus on what you can change and what's in front of you and what you can control. And once you train yourself to do only that, you, you realize you have a lot of power. You have a lot of power, a lot of things you can change. And I believe that's the key to optimism. 
You will also focus a lot in your writings on gratitude and being grateful for the things mm-hmm. that you have. How does that affect you? I think being grateful is, you know, a key to happiness. Um, I, so the one thing that sort of kick-started kick this gratitude um, journey in me was when I was first diagnosed with cancer, I lost my hair, right? Like I lost basically all my hair, my eyebrows, and, um, you know, I, 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 I didn't look pretty. And I, I was, you know, I wallowed in a lot of that, right? I, I worried about, you know, will I ever look the same again and, and things like that. And one day I attended this event called Look Good and Feel Better. And they basically is an event for, for women where, you know, the event organizers, they give you makeup and show you techniques on how you can, you know, make yourself American look Cancer Society, you, right? Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yes, exactly. I know, I know it well. And, and so... Yeah, so well, when I was when I was you know putting the makeup on on myself for the first time in you know months, I realized oh my gosh I still have my lashes, and that sort of I, I don't know something just woke me up. I was like wow I spent all this time you know looking at all the things I've lost like you know all the hair on my head <laughs> and everything that I've lost that I forgot to look at what I still have which is like my lashes which really stood out you know (laughs) and that that made me that made me think you know why don't I start noticing all the good things that I still have because you know when I notice my lashes it made me feel a lot better so that's when that's how I I really kicked is really kick-started this gratitude journey in me that I made a conscious choice to notice the good things every day in my life and that's been instrumental in helping me to become more optimistic along with focusing on what I uh, what I can do and what I can change. What a story. You certainly are a budding optimist and you also welcome people to share their stories with you and and write guest posts on your blog. Tell us about that. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so now I've opened my blog up to, uh, you know, collaboration. I welcome stories and insights and tips from others that they may have to share with my audience. Because, you know, I don't know everything, right? Um, I want to learn from others and hear their stories and what they've done in their life to, you know, become more optimistic or become more healthy. Just whatever insights or tips they have to help everybody to, you know, live a more positive and healthier life. I just love that. And I think it is so mm-hmm. great to build a network of people because I'm a big believer in everyone helping everyone else. And when you hear right. someone else's story, it helps to inspire all of us to do better in our own lives. And that's really why I wanted to talk with you, because I'm sure you have inspired many people through your words today. And if someone did want to share their story with you, where can they reach you? Uh, the best way to reach me is by contacting me by contacting me through my website. My website is buddingoptimist.com, B-U-D-D-I-N-G-O-P-T-I-M-I-S-T.com. And there is a section called Write for Me where they can find information on how to submit a story. And I have a contact form on my blog where they can 
send an email to me, and that's how we can start the collaboration. And I hope someone listening will want to share their story with you, and and hopefully they've been inspired by your story because it is amazing. And I'm so glad that you are doing well today. Thank you very, very much for being so open and for sharing your story with us. Thank you, Robin. It was a pleasure. And thank you all for joining me today for Living Well with Robin Stoloff, empowering you to live a healthier life. Please be sure to subscribe, and we'll let you know about our most recent weekly episode. Until next time, please stay safe and keep living well.